Hello, hello, hello. Happy summer. Welcome back to the D1 Softball Podcast presented by S2 Cognition. Wow. Where have we been? What have we been doing? What has gone on in the sport of softball? We'll cover it all. I'm Gray Robertson. That's Tara Henry. Tara, it is so great to see your wonderful smiling face again. How are you? Uh I'm great. Uh, it's so good to see you, Gray. I know when we all jumped on here, Kelly as well, the three of us, it's been a while since uh, we've seen each other. So just happy to be back on talking about softball. And oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about, Gray. Yeah, shout out to our producer, Kelly Higby, the newlywed. Congratulations to Kelly. She had, you know, some stuff going on in the offseason. <laughs> and, and there is plenty of stuff that went down in this wonderful sport, Tara. We could talk for hours, but we're not going to do that. Instead, we're just going to dive in straight to the leadoff. Now, a reminder, coming up in just a little bit, we will have WPF Player of the Year and Champ Series MVP Janae Jefferson joining the show. There's a lot that I'm really excited to talk to Janae about. Uh, with her summer with the Texas smoke. But Tara, we've got to talk about some of these summer storylines. Transfer portal, rule changes, assistant coach movements. I say we start with the portal and the biggest move of the summer, which came very, very, very early in June. I was on the way to the Music City Collegiate League when it dropped. Jordy Ball transferring from Oklahoma to Nebraska. The Jordy Ball discourse was fascinating in the days that followed, but her reasoning, she wanted to be closer to home. She wanted to help grow the game in Nebraska. And from a tangible softball standpoint, this is a game changer for that program in Lincoln and for the Big Ten as a whole next year. Absolutely great. And, you know, you and I both heard some rumblings, I think, at the Women's College World Series. Didn't know if the rumors were true, but knew that Jordy Ball was missing home. And I think that was something that we were wondering, was she going to actually leave OU? And it was a tough year for the Sooners. I know, obviously, winning, people say, oh, what are you talking about? Uh, winning is fun. But a lot of pressure there, a lot of pressure on the Sooners. And, you know, you got to commend Jordy for for doing what's best for her and her family. And I think as the dominoes fell, you saw the impact. And it's incredible how one athlete, one woman can make a huge difference on a program like Nebraska before even step, stepping foot on the field. So saw Ronda Ravel uh, this summer uh, out recruiting and they're just ecstatic and just happy to have Jordy. Obviously, anybody would be happy to have her. But uh, yeah, biggest news of the summer and dropped pretty quickly right after the Women's College World Series. And, you know, Oklahoma didn't even get to celebrate. And, and we were hearing that jo Jordy was heading to Nebraska. But yes, biggest news uh, of the summer, biggest news of softball that we've heard in a really, really long time, Gray. Yeah, if you were listening carefully to the season finale, there was a little exchange that we had when people were asking about the portal. We said, ah, expect the unexpected. And you and I kind of made eyes and we hadn't <laughs> discussed the rumors, but I think we both knew what the other one was talking about. And I mean, looking at it, you know, you talk to Rhonda Ravel and she's excited. And uh, again, as I said, this is an immediate shift in the Big Ten. There was already going to be a bit of a power shift with Northwestern losing such a talented senior class. Immediately, Nebraska becomes the favorite to win that league this year. Again, we still got a ton of time until the season starts, but it's hard not to look at Nebraska as the Big Ten juggernaut for 2024. Absolutely, Greg. Couldn't agree with you more. And you're looking at a staff that last year had a 3.54 ERA. So you added Jordy Ball into the mix. Uh, and obviously the Andrews sisters and, you know, go Big Red. I'm excited to see uh, what happens in the Big Ten. And, and we know, obviously, with conference alignments and shifting that UCLA will be heading to the Big Ten, uh, not this next season, but the season after. So just a lot happening uh, in the Big Ten. Yeah, that classic Nebraska-UCLA conference series is going to be super fun. Maybe we can get into realignment later. I have thoughts. <laughs> uh, there was some coast-to-coast -coast realigning for Elena Vodder. She went in the portal from Stanford and picked South Carolina. This is a gigantic get for Bev Smith, and I've talked about this elsewhere. I think it throttles them up to a, a really good, potentially top-five SEC position Next year, I mean, you look at their conference slate, I think that's a big part of it. They don't have to play Alabama. They don't have to play LSU. They don't have to play 
uh, Georgia, and they get Tennessee and Arkansas at home next season. So I think South Carolina has been set up in a great position because Vodder came over from the Cardinal. Yeah, what a huge get uh, for the Gamecocks. And, you know, we're seeing this trend. We saw, obviously, Donnie Goborn uh, head to South Carolina and shine uh, just a season ago. And they're adding Kiana Jones, Denver Bryant, and Bree Warren as well. So, again, huge get for South Carolina. We weren't quite sure where Vada was going to go. And there was almost this hiatus, a mystery, because, you know, she was out of the country at one point, people were saying, and hadn't wasn't didn't decide where she wanted to go. And to be honest, Gray, I was – pretty surprised that she left Stanford uh, after that incredible run that the Cardinal had had. So uh, was really surprised to hear her enter the portal, but again, uh, South Carolina getting a, an Alana Vodder, that's an immediate game changer. Again, like we're seeing a huge shift and, and incredible arms just leaving uh, and going uh, to a play for another program in their graduate season. And by the way, folks, the chat is open specifically on YouTube and Facebook, so we can show it on screen. If you want to make any comments, ask any questions, please feel free. We're, we're all about the conversation here on the D1 Softball Podcast, but it's a big get for South Carolina. Stanford, in turn, addresses the offensive concerns with Taryn Kern, the Big Ten freshman and player of the year. First of all, incredibly difficult to transfer into Stanford. So props to Taryn Kern for having all of her academic ducks in a row. But I mean, for Jessica Allister, this is the missing piece you would think from what that team needed last year and will need going forward. It's a huge get. And I remember there was that the narrative going around Stanford making it to the Women's College World Series with no transfers uh, last year. Re remember that that narrative. Yeah. But if you're going to get a transfer, uh, I think it's a pretty darn good one to get a Taryn Kern uh, over to Stanford. So Jessica Allister again, uh, just bolstering up that that offense. And you're not going to need a ton of runs when you got uh, an arm like Nyjah Kennedy in the circle uh, for Stanford. So another big pickup. Uh, through the transfer portal. And it's so funny because we're at number three on our list and uh, we're finally getting to the next name on the list, which you'd argue any other year would have been number one transfer uh, to take a look at. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the top three that we mentioned are instant game changers for their program. And I think elevate a, a program. This next one is kind of status quo. It, it's obviously a big get, but it's another great arm going to Oklahoma, and that's Kelly Maxwell from Oklahoma State. Uh, she is one of the best pitchers that we've seen in recent memory. Uh, I thought she was the best pitcher in the country to close out 2022. And, uh, I mean, th this is gigantic. You lose Jordy Ball and you pick up Kelly Maxwell. I think all things considered, OU broke even in the portal this offseason, which is terrible news for everybody else. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I don't know about breaking even. I, I get what you're saying. I, I, I get it. Carly Keeney, Aiden Monazelli, and Riley Ludlum as well. You know, that transfer class is is pretty impressive. But again, for a player to go from Oklahoma State to OU is just, it's wild, Gray. It's unheard of. But again, uh, Maxwell uh, just heading to the Sooners. And, you know, you'd argue, like we said, that would be the biggest news of any year, uh, any player going from Oklahoma State uh, to OU. But the fact that Kelly Maxwell is going to be there uh, with an offense, uh, with a catcher like Kinsey Hansen behind the dish, uh, I think she's going to have some fun there at OU. It's going to be different, I'm sure, for her to put on that jersey, though, uh, when you've been playing across, across town for uh, the last couple of years. And uh, Bedlam? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the last Which is in Bedlam? Norman. The right? last in Bedlam? Norman. Before OU comes to the SEC, uh, well, I mean, I, I, look, I, I think I'm I probably going to go, be I think working. I may need to go that. I think you, we you should can go, go that. for Okay. Hey, I'll zoom in <laughs> from the booth. I'll be calling whatever Alabama game is that weekend and zooming in for Bedlam. Actually, I think Alabama might have a rivalry itself that weekend. So TBD. But it's obviously gigantic for Patty Gasso, and it was such a late pickup. There was a time where it felt like OU had certainly lost more than they had gathered out of the portal. But to kind of close out the portal season by picking up Maxwell it tells us what we already knew. OU's not going anywhere. No, they're not. And I think, you know, we can have another podcast in, in regards to uh, – 
NIL and what's happening across the college landscape and say what you want. I think programs are going to have to get in the game and yeah. everybody's going to have to up their game. And I know that people across the country complain about the Sooners. And even there was an article, I think that, you know, uh, compared the Sooners to, uh, was it Darth Vader? Was it um, and by the Empire? Way, I think that's a compliment. I mean, me look, too. I would I'm love it. I'm here in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> People have been playing the Death Star music for Nick Saban for years, and yes. people thrive on it here. If I'm OU and I'm reading that, I'm saying, awesome, we have made it. We are Darth Vader. I, I know. I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, you can either complain about something or you can go out and do something about it. So I think these programs across the country are going to have to try and start figuring out how to compete uh, until there are regulations. Uh, does everybody like it? No, but there's going to we're going to have to figure out how to, a way to compete uh, across the country uh, on these NIL deals. And, and it's just, you know, it is the wild, wild west until there are regulations. But uh, at the end of the day, Patty going out uh, and getting what they, they need uh, in the transfer portal to to head into 2024 uh, reloaded. Absolutely. Speaking of reloaded, another team that I want to make sure we touch on is Arkansas. So they brought in a bunch of names, Morgan Linestock from Southern Miss, Nia Carter from Iowa, one of the most mm -hmm. underrated and under talked about players in the country. Uh, that, that was a big pickup for me when I saw that news drop. Reese Burline from Mississippi State, who really impressed you, Tara. And yep. Bree Ellis from Auburn, which was a surprise departure from the Plains. And then going up to Fayetteville, that's a big power bat for Courtney Dyfel. Uh, we'll even mention in the bringing of uh, DJ Gasso from Utah to Arkansas. So this is a very concerted effort by Courtney Dyfel, I think, to 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 try and get to Oklahoma City. I mean, not that they haven't been in the past few years, but clearly – she said, look, close isn't good enough anymore. And yeah. there seems to be a, a newfound focus on the offensive side and trying to reload some arms with line stock and Burline. Yeah. And, and I spoke to you before we got on here about Burline coming over from Mississippi state was really impressed with her. She threw four innings against OU and only gave up three hits. I was there at that game. Um, but I agree with you, Gray. I think, Courtney Dyfel in bringing in DJ Gasso just a season ago with Utah advances to the women's college world series, a really concentrating uh, on the offense, on those trans transfers, uh, getting the Bogle bombers uh, back to, to what we're, we know and are used to. So keep an eye on Arkansas. I think you're right, Gray. I think there's some interesting things happening there and we'll see how that all kind of shakes out having some new fresh faces faces there. Yeah, Arkansas's power numbers were still pretty good last year, but they were not a very good team when it comes to hitting for average. Uh, and they were near the bottom of the league in that stat. I would assume that that is kind of the focus for DJ Gasso in the early going for Arkansas, trying to get that overall team batting average back up near the top tier of the SEC. Georgia brought in some people as well. Sarah Gordon, the very impressive freshman last year from Louisville, a catcher, and then a pitcher that... Our dear friend Brady Vernon has been championing for years <laughs> Lily Backus from North Carolina, who I think, and I've seen her a little bit, is a really strong young talent as well. Yes, Tony Baldwin. Uh, and shout out to Brady Vernon. Uh, we we know that he's uh, been doing loads of work here, and, and we're going to get some, some more lists going. I've been chatting with Brady, so stay tuned for uh, some rankings that are going to be coming out. But yeah, Tony Baldwin spoke actually with Tony Baldwin uh, this summer. Again, we'll get into that as to where I actually spoke to him in Dublin, Ireland, uh, mm. about uh, some, some moves in the offseason. So again, Georgia Bulldogs uh, going to the transfer portal. And the next one on our list, I think many thought maybe potentially was going to go to to Georgia, but uh, Gray, I'll, I'll let you intro our next transfer, uh, which another one that would be super high in any other year uh, heading heading over or heading back uh, east. Yeah, we were talking about it before we came on the air, and it feels like burying. I, I mean, <laughs> it's a big get. It's Kelly Lynch going from Washington to LSU. Uh, this could potentially address some of the pitching questions for LSU. They've got Sidney Brazan and Raylan Chafin. And then beyond that, you know, Kilponen's gone. Ailey Johnson transferred to Alabama. So will Lynch get some innings? The assumption is probably yes. Uh, but, I mean, it's also a pretty good bat to add in for the Tigers, who 
I mean, they're they're trying to to beat the current perception that exists, and that perception is they're going to get a seed and then not make it to the women's college world series. And fair or not, that's the way it looks right now because of the last few years. And, and so I think that adding a player the caliber of Kelly Lynch could maybe change some things for Beth Tarina's squad. Absolutely. And like you said, Gray, Kelly, two-way player. So obviously she can do it in the circle, but she can get it done at the plate as well. So another huge uh, pickup with uh, Kelly Lynch heading to LSU. And it'd be interesting how she kind of works in there. I think she's going to get more innings. Uh, with the Tigers, like you said, in the circle uh, and will be re- used really well uh, in complementing uh, Burzon there for LSU and Beth Tarina. But again, another transfer that we'd argue uh, would be pretty up high on the list, but it was just uh, a very, very interesting offseason in terms of the transfer portal uh, when we're talking about Kelly Lynch at, at number like 10. Yeah, here on our list. <laughs> and we've got one more before we get to the cleanup hitter here on the D1 Softball Podcast presented by S2 Cognition. Uh, and it's two players going to Florida. Jocelyn Erickson and Corb Otis. Erickson coming from Oklahoma. Otis coming from Louisville. Uh, obviously big gets. They're important players. Otis, very, very good year last year for the Cardinals. Uh, we've seen the success of OU transfers and, and what they've done at their next stops the last few years. Uh, you could argue that the biggest part of this bullet point is what isn't there and it's pitchers for Florida. And maybe that discussion can be had at a later time, but in terms of the additions, two pretty good pickups. Yeah. And Brooke Barnard from Ole Miss as well uh, to Florida. So uh, yes, I think the question mark is the pitching Uh, got some, some young arms coming in for the Gators, but we were waiting uh, in the off season to see if, if the Gators were going to get a transfer and it just didn't seem to happen. I think there were a few on the list that we spoke about that obviously we're thinking about going uh, down to Gainesville, but uh, again, can't complain about getting Erickson and Otis. Uh, I think those two are are obviously going to help out uh, the Gators uh, heading into 2024. And I'm sure that when we do the season premiere next year or another off season pod, we will talk extensively (laughs) about the Florida pitching staff because look, this is uncharted territory, you know, for a long time, it was all American, all American, all American, all American in the circle. No all Americans the last few years change in pitching coaches. Uh, They've got Chelsea Dobbins coming in this year after Mike Bosch was let go. And a, I think it's fair to say a depleted bullpen right now uh, with maybe some more offseason moves to come, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll get into it. I, I think uh, we've got our special guest waiting here. Uh, oh, yeah. I want to bring, bring her on, uh, our special guest of the day. Yeah, you know, I think it's time for the cleanup hitter. And what better way to introduce <laughs> the cleanup hitter on the show than by showing a home run from the leadoff position for her team. <laughs> Here's the clip. That's a perfect three for three night. She hits the ball there, and she's not going to be on board because she's going to leave the yard with a home run, a solo shot, and Texas is on top five to four. Oh, my. (laughs) Janae Jefferson is here on the D1 (laughs) Softball Podcast, the WPF Player of the Year, 438 average in the regular season, 500 average in the playoffs and had that game-winning solo home run in game one of the championship series against the U-Triple-S-A Pride from the Texas Smoke. Janae Jefferson, how are you? Hi, how are y'all? Thanks for having me. Oh, we're good. Janae, I know it's probably been a whirlwind for you and still coming off that high of winning the first ever WPF uh, title. What were you feeling in that moment uh, when you finally got the last out uh, and were coming in to embrace your teammates? What was that feeling like? Yeah, I was just very excited in that moment and just trying to take it all in. But then again, just extremely excited and like raising my hands up, uh, just wanting to celebrate with my teammates as quick as I could out there. So it was it was a cool moment uh, receiving that last out at second base. So I, I loved it. And y'all were in some tight battles throughout the postseason. What was it about the smoke and the connectivity on your team that that helped you prevail in those tight matchups? I think mainly just our team chemistry, just knowing 
um, going in the going into the postseason, we losing that first game to the Vipers right out the gate, and just turning into our inner circle with each other and just leaning on each other in those moments, saying like we can't be defeated and we got this. Like we've been through these times before, and this is just another game. And just going out the next day with that same positive energy and just coming coming stronger with one another. And Janae, you've played a lot of softball in your life and, and you played for various teams uh, and now obviously with the Texas Smoke. Can you kind of give some insight as to what the season was like for you? What was it like playing in the WPF? Uh, you know, what was it like going on the road, playing at home? Uh, because, you know, a lot of people didn't don't know a lot about the WPF. And, and I think... Um, you know, a player like yourself, the MVP of the league, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was a lot of fun, actually. Um, I think the the main struggle that I probably faced throughout the season was just back-to-back -back games, like a quick turnaround. Uh, not so much like college where you just play on the weekends and then you possibly have a midweek game, but it was three-game series, travel day, day off, another three-game series, travel day, day off so just going in that continued cycle over and over again but just having a quick turnaround and um I just think that would be the biggest struggle just making sure I take care of my body as a position player like that is hard sometimes just always being on the field every game um but it was a lot of fun though a lot of fun um traveling throughout airports people stop you in the airport like oh uh, professional softball I didn't know that there's professional softball we're like yeah like we're here we're here to stay we're here to grow the grow the game so it was a lot of fun and I wanted to ask about the kind of the bigger picture it wasn't that long ago Janae when we were doing a show right after you played in the champ series for Texas and since then you played with Team USA yeah. in the world games you've played with Athletes Unlimited you've played in the WPF what have you learned about yourself after college in the softball world yeah, like I mentioned earlier, just taking care of my body and myself this time. Um, just not having that much, that many resources, I guess, as I did in college. Um, having a train on my own, recover on my own, uh, cold tub on my own, things like that. So just growing in the game and growing at that maturity level as well and making sure that I take care of myself. And Janae, we had a question um, from someone on social and said, uh, I know there were a few girls on the team from the Houston area. Had you played with any of them growing up? And if so, what was it like reconnecting on the field after so many years? Yeah, so me and Bailey actually played together growing up. Um, we won AU Nationals together. I don't know if many people know that, but yeah, so we go way back. And just for her to even come to this team at our first practice in spring training, like, she looked at me and was like, wow, Janae, like, we really made it. Like, we're really here together after all this time. And um, even before, I want to say the last game, so our second game in playoffs, she told me before I went out to bat, she was like, hey, if you get on base, like, I'm going to hit you in. So I was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> so I let off with that single, and then uh, Shelby Sinceri came up. And then I want to say someone else walked after that, and bases were loaded, and Bailey hit that that double to clear the bases. So us having that chemistry with each other um, ever since we were little, I was really looking forward to playing next to Bailey and us always just laughing and having, having a good time out there, like old times. So. And it's okay if the answer is Bailey, but, but was there anybody that maybe you faced in the college game that you were like, whew, I'm so glad she's on my team now? Um, I would have to say, Definitely someone like Sam Shaw and Charlotte Eccles, things like that. Um, those people for sure. And we've always, me and Charlotte always played together with Team USA. But um, just facing Sam at Oklahoma State, that was a big, um, I don't know, a big challenge, I guess, with that rivalry. So just playing behind her on the same team, it's been, it's been fun this summer. And I'm sure she feels the same way. And Janae, obviously new owners of the league and Brandon Phillips and Jade Cargill, what is it like to play for the Texas Smoke and those two owners? They're amazing, honestly. Um, they gave me my shot. Um, I believe I was one of the first people that they reached out to and just 
asking for my advice and about like who should we add to the team, things like that, because it is our first year um, in Austin and everything. So, but I think the biggest thing that I will be forever grateful for them too is just believing in me and taking a chance on me, um, allowing me to be a part of this organization and something new and hopefully leaving my legacy uh, within this organization. And so I'm forever grateful to them. And Janae, earlier you you were talking about how in these run-ins in the airports, uh, you've said, yeah, we're here and we're here to stay. What do you want to see going into year two, the WPF do to help further solidify themselves in, in the national landscape? I think definitely um, grow on the marketing side of things, whether that's allowing us to hopefully play on ESPN or uh, get those streams, things like that, just to increase our um, our audience really i think that's the biggest thing for people to not only watch us and the women's college world series but know that you can still play after college and it can still be as big after college so i think just definitely growing our audience and our fan bases would definitely help this league grow and janae what was your favorite off the field moment uh while playing this summer for the smoke that nothing to do with softball, just an off the field moment that you can look back on, uh, whether it be your teammates or your coaches or, or staff or, or just traveling. What was your favorite moment? Um, I think just meeting new people, like meeting new teammates that I would watch on TV, things like that. And just hanging out, going to grab food, talking about, oh, what'd you do at your program here in Minnesota or at Florida? Like just comparing our two schools, things like that. Um, and just like talking not only about softball, but just getting to know them as a person. And like, what do you do outside of softball? Because we're not just softball at the end of the day. We have regular lives, regular things we do outside of our sport. So just getting to know my teammates on a more personal level, like that's been the greatest thing and greatest memory for this summer. And if I may, Janae, I'm going to put on my SEC hat and ask you about the Texas Longhorns <laughs> coming and joining the league. There's one more year in the Big 12 uh, on the softball side, but what are you feeling looking at how, you know, I mean, leaving the Big 12 is strange and you talk to anybody uh, who's played for a team that is leaving a conference, there's always kind of uh, the, these feelings of emotion that come with that. But are you excited about the prospect of Texas joining the Southeastern Conference in the future? Yeah, I'm extremely excited. I've watched their past season um, last year and they have a, a great freshman class and I'm excited to see them grow and see them tackle on the SEC. I know it's not gonna be easy, but I'll still be in the stands cheering them on every game. And um, I just know that they're up for a challenge, but these freshmen and even sophomores and juniors now can take it on for sure. So I'm excited to see how they do and how Coach White leads them to being successful. And last one for me, Janae. So season is ended. Uh, what's next for you? Uh, what's what's your schedule look like uh, heading into the end of the year? Yeah, so actually next, next week I'm going to watch a gymnastics event. Um, I've never watched a gymnastics meet, so I'm excited about that. Um, and then just giving lessons on a regular uh, camps here and there. Um, but mainly just trying to stay in the house and rest for a few weeks. <laughs> uh, well, you've deserved the rest after a phenomenal season with the Texas Smoke. Janae Jefferson, thank you so much for joining us here on the D1 Softball Podcast. You, Great to see you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks Janae. Janae Jefferson, your MVP for the WPF. And I mean, the four for four game in game one of a champ series and a game that was that tight. <laughs> That's a, yeah, that's a little bit <laughs> clutch, a little clutch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at the stat line. I think I tweeted about it. He's like, are you kidding me? This is this isn't a champ series, a, a game. Like this is you know what people dream of and doing uh, in an entire you know actual championship series, uh, multiple uh, series, right? Uh, she's able to do it in in one game, but incredible athlete. Uh, just phenomenal to watch. And she's just so steady, right? She just kind of calm and quiet and steady, but just gets it done. Uh, and what, what a season for the smoke.
uh, incredible to watch them uh, really dominate that league uh, all season long. So um, hats off to Jenny Jefferson and the Texas Smoke on winning the first ever uh, WPF title. Yeah, and you know, one more note on Janae. The clutch hitting to get the the timely hit, the game-winning home run in game one of this champ series after last summer getting the big hit in the gold medal game for Team USA in the world game. Shout out to my broadcast partner, Kayla Bro. We we're on the call for that one. I mean, she is, you know, she's being clutch for multiple teams across multiple leagues, which is really incredible. Well, it's incredible, and, and it's just, uh, you know, that's the makings of an incredible player, right? Uh, somebody that can come up clutch because those are the big moments that are are not easy for for most uh, players. Or, and she just does it with ease uh, and makes it look really easy. Uh, when when in all actuality, uh, those are some pretty big moments. Um, so, again, uh, congratulations uh, to Janae uh, and the Smoke. Thank you to Janae for joining us here on the D1 Softball Podcast. Before we dive into some of the other off-season storylines, you know, rules changes that, uh, boy, we got a lot to cover there. I want to make sure that we uh, address some of the merch. Tara, there's there's merch. Look at these hats. Oh, oh yeah. Hats. Woohoo! Right there. Yeah, that's our Women's College World Series drop uh, that we did special edition. We'll do those every year. Great. I've got one right here. You got one. I've got one. I wear it when I play golf. Very handy dandy. Yeah, they're up on the site. You can go to d1topple.com and hit the shop tab. We also got Barbie-inspired baller shirt. Greg, can you throw that up on the yeah, screen? Yeah, let's, let's flash those. You yeah. know, whether whether you're a Barbie or whether you're Knuff, I, I think that this shirt <laughs> is for you. <laughs> and if you're a baller. Look at I have it in person so you can see it. It's pretty rad. That's I was going to wear it today. Maybe I'll wear it next week. Uh, so we got baller shirts and then D1 signature uh, shirts. We've got this in. Yeah. Thank you, Gray. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> and then you show us You show us yours, Tara. Yeah. I'm going to wear it next week so you guys can see it on. Uh, and I've, I've got the hair gel in, so I can't wear the hat right now, but it's fine. Yeah. So merchandise on the site. Head on over uh, and take a look. Uh, and buy some D1 gear. We're going to probably get some a new collection here going once uh, we sell out of these limited edition uh, baller shirts. Pretty rad. I love it. I love it. Way to, way to you want? It's a crop moment. top. It's a crop top. Well, I don't know if that's my, that's my style. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I like the movie. So... <laughs> Uh, gray and a baller shirt all uh, right that's man. the merchandise everybody we let's are bring what it back. we wear let's <laughs> let's look at the rule changes from this offseason tara there was a lot that came out when the uh when the ncaa released the approvals from the ncaa softball rules committee uh the the safety bag um, yep. which was an experimental rule. And then last year there were supply chain issues, getting bags into people. So I, I think that they're still, still working on making that more widespread. Uh, there is electronic communication that is now allowed one, one way, way electronic one way. communication, uh, relaying pitch calls and play calls and stuff like that. But Tara, I think that the thing that most people have honed in on, and certainly our dear friend Jen Schroeder, the adjustment to the obstruction rule. Oh, I thought you were going to first go to the pitching, but obstruction, yes. We we can go pitching next. No, obstruction. I, like... Let's go to obstruction. Um, yes, the, the adjustment to the obstruction rule. So now the, the defensive player is not considered obstruction if they are in possession of the ball or they are making a legitimate reaction to the trajectory of the ball after it is thrown. Additionally, if in the umpire's judgment, the runner would have clearly been out, then obstruction is ignored. The common sense clause. Yes. I, I mean, mean, thank you. Thank you. There have been, and we've talked about that with some of our umpiring friends, like, there is no common sense clause or there wasn't previously. And so by rule, if it was obstruction, even if the person was obviously going to be out, obstruction was called. Now we've got 
a little bit of a, well, she was hosed. Yeah. And uh, that I think is beneficial for sure for the game. Well, and like you said, Gray, and speaking to the umpiring crews, listen, they were just enforcing the rule as it was written. So really their hands were tied and people are going crazy on Twitter about it and, you know, complaining about obstruction. But now, now the coaches and the rules committee have clearly listened uh, and changed this rule. So be interesting to see how it's implemented. Uh, we'll see what happens in 2024. But again, I think it's a step in the right direction in regards to obstruction. Yeah. So uh, again, you know, we'll see, but uh, I'm, I, I do feel like it's closer uh, as you said, which is a positive. We can talk about the pitching now. Uh, leaping is legal. Uh, it, the rule says that pitchers are now, now allowed to disengage from the playing surface during the delivery. The pitcher's pivot foot could become airborne with one push from the rubber. Uh, however, you can't replant, uh, resulting in pushing off from a second point. Basically, though, this means that leaping is now legal, uh, which is something that a lot of people have been asking about. It. I think a big part of it is the inconsistency with which illegal pitches have been called. Uh, Emma Limley certainly had thoughts on Twitter when this rule came out. Uh, I mean, again, it'll be another adjustment that people have to make. Yes, but at the end of the day, this is going more towards the international rule. So this rule is already uh, the, in the international uh, softball scene. So, uh, again, the thing that's going to be key here is that replant, too. I think we're going to start seeing that replant maybe called uh, rather than uh, jumping off the mound. But, again, I think another step in the right direction. I think it's difficult uh, to call. I think it's difficult to be consistent and we've seen it be called not all season long. And then all of a sudden you get into the playoffs and, and with that, you know, fourth umpire uh, it's getting called uh, left and right. So again, I think another uh, good step in the right direction uh, for the rules committee in regards to uh, pitching the step stride rule. Yeah. So another thing that we'll see how pitching coaches in particular also adapt to that and how that maybe changes up some staffs. Uh, another yeah. thing that it, I think is worth noting is I'm, I'm looking for it here. Uh, addition. Yes. Addition to review. I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, and some of these actually we saw, it was really interesting. You know, this rule came out during the little league softball world series. So the replay rules were not input into that event, the new ones anyway. However, there were some plays that they could have impacted. And it was really fascinating texting Amanda Scarborough during that. But leaving the base early on a fly ball uh, yep. is now is now officially reviewable. All home runs uh, are now reviewable. Catch versus no catch in any situation is now reviewable. And uh, hit by Huge. pitch. I mean, there are, there are some big things that a lot of coaches that I've talked to have been asking for for years. Yeah, the catch-no-catch, no catch too, in, in any situation, I think is huge. We see that a lot if it's called and out, you know. Um, but also, if a runner misses a base, so sometimes I think runners actually miss second base a lot of the time. I don't know what happens over there, but they're going to be able to to review that all home runs. And, and whether hit by a pitch, uh, again, I think another uh, huge addition any of the listed review items can be looked at if the action on the field results in a dead ball just remember that yeah so we, we get a new laminated card next year for those of us on the tv side which is always fun <laughs> also time between pitches and the action clock that, that is another huge uh rule change time between the next pitch must be thrown and will re be reduced from 25 seconds to 20. Also, teams have the option of using a visible action clock. Uh, again, we've seen this work uh, really well in not only Major League Baseball, but in international softball to keep the game moving. Uh, it it does make the games faster, uh, and you get used to it. Yeah, and uh, we need that for the TV slots, because if we want to keep getting on ABC, our games need to be like two hours and 15 minutes or quicker. And go a little bit Correct. extra, but not three Correct. and a half hours on a two-hour time slot. Anything else on the rules changes, Tara? Uh, let's see. Other rule changes, uh, fence distances, any new construction's got to be 200 feet, uh, allowing the use of the double base we talked about. 
And then removing a quarter inch bat knob protrusion requirement to allow for a tapered or flared or cone bat handle. Uh, that's a new uh, rule. Oh, and assistant coaches can't leave the dugout or bullpen area to appeal, question, or argue a play on the field. I think that's a big one. Uh, or well. just, or you out. You're gone. Yeah, you out. There's no yeah. warning. You're gone. Yeah, Thule was spouting off on Twitter saying she thinks that that rule is written because of her. Daniel O'Toole, uh, gotta love it. Which, um, that's not on the list too, but Daniel O'Toole going from Cal State Florida to Cal. Uh, yeah. In the off season. And I can think of a lot of other coaches that probably yeah. think the same as Daniel yeah. O'Toole when that <laughs> rule was released. Oh, and allowing post-game review of ejections that include a suspension. So post-game uh, review of ejections uh, mm. as well. So that's pretty much a big, good, pretty good summary of the rules. Yeah, and we'll we'll keep you know asking around. We'll keep digging and finding out more and more as we get closer to the season. Uh, last thing, Tara, before we get into what you were doing this summer, uh, some of the assistant coaches movements. Yeah. You know, we talked about DJ Gasso. We talked about Chelsea Dobbins. Uh, you just mentioned Daniela O'Toole. There were a few others, uh, Kerry Everly, the new Oklahoma state pitching coach, Josh Bloomer going from South Carolina to Arizona. In fact, Arizona also getting Christian Conrad, very busy off season for Caitlin Lowe. And there were a few others that jumped out. I, I think the two departures from Ole Miss also, you know, timing wise, uh, kind of raised some eyebrows just because, you know, they left uh, right in the middle of July and that's, that's not the ideal time to have to be looking for your top two assistants. Yeah, no. And we didn't, we're not quite sure who's going to head in there, but then DJ Sanders just announced that she's heading to Ole Miss. So a uh, good pickup by Jamie Traxel. Uh, and again, Victoria Hayward, San Diego state to Washington, uh, Taryn Moat from Arizona to Mississippi state and Bryce Neal from Louisville to LSU. Uh, any else that we're missing here? Victoria Greg? Hayward, San Diego State to Washington. Yeah, I said that. A, Didn't I just say did that? Did you? I'm sorry. I was reading yeah. a comment that I want to flash on the screen <laughs> in a moment. Uh, I, I, I mean, I don't think, I don't think we missed any others. Um, yeah. And if I'm sure you, you guys will let the, us know if we, if we did. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to see the whole list, uh, D1Softball.com has the assistant coach carousel. You got it, Greg. Yeah. That's that's I where it. I got this information. It's almost like it's the. Uh, it's the podcast itself. Uh, real yeah. quick, one comment from Mark Boomer Sooner. One word. Uh, yes, but doesn't don't reviews slow the game down? Uh, you know, I don't think so. I, I mean, the last few years with the centralized replay, I think that conferences, at least in the SEC and the games I've been calling, have been doing a pretty darn good job getting the calls in very, very quickly. Tara, I'm not sure how you feel uh, from some of the other leagues that you've watched. Uh, I think it's a hit or miss, to be honest, Mark. Uh, I think there are reviews that take a lot longer than needed. So, yes, does it do they slow the game down? I think it's a case by case basis. And I also think uh, the SEC has been using video reviews. So, obviously, they're a little bit more seasoned at it, um, but it is a work in progress. And I do think across the country, we could probably be a little bit better at it. But again, it's a, it's a new. It, it was a new uh, tool for, for some of us across uh, the country. So um, I think we're only going to get better and hopefully it can get the call right uh, and keep it from slowing the game down too much. Yeah. And I mean, look, if it adds a couple extra seconds, all we really care about is making sure that the call is right. That's why replay was put in. We all want replay. So I, I think that it's a sacrifice that a lot of people are willing to make. And I do think that you know, compared to the old days when you would just have coaches arguing for five minutes, uh, it, it's a quicker process overall. I don't know, Tara, how you, how you feel. Yeah, I think so. So now there's no arguing happening. They just simply go like this and they're like, okay, we're all right. We're going to go review this. Um, so hopefully I think on average, uh, the video reviews could be probably cut down a little bit, but again, like you said, Gray, I think when we're comparing that to a coach going out and arguing for five minutes uh, with the umpire that, we're probably on top here. Uh, but again, I think uh, it's good for the game. Uh, I think getting the call right is important, but also keeping the the flow of the game going as well is really important. Yes. And it does help that if you argue a review, you're gone. <laughs> That's another thing. Don't argue replay reviews uh, and the, the calls that come from those because you will get tossed. Uh, Tara, it's time to ask the question that people have been waiting for all show. <laughs> Where in the world was Tara Henry? 
Tara, <laughs> was busy, busy, busy for you. You were in one of my favorite places in the world, the great country of Ireland, with Team Great Britain at the World Championships. Tell us about your experience. Oh, you know, great. It was a wild uh, summer for me, but um, one that I think 2023 is going to be a year that I'll always remember, uh, an incredible experience. Uh, a wonderful group of women um, that uh, play for Team Great Britain. Can't say enough about Gary Anderson, uh, our technical director, Olympic technical director, and what he's been able to do with Great Britain. But happy birthday, Kendall Scott, our center fielder. It's her birthday today. Uh, but yes, I was in London for training camp. We played the Oklahoma City Spark. I don't know if you all caught that, but if you didn't, uh, that game is still available uh, to watch. So played two games against Oklahoma City Spark heading into the World Cup. Uh, and then went to Dublin, like you said, Gray, for the WBSC World Cup, uh, played Australia, Chinese, Taipei, Ireland, USA, and then Australia again, uh, beat Australia and Chinese Taipei for the first time in program history. Um, incredible team effort, obviously have the great arm in Georgina Cork, uh, who you all know and love from uh, USF and AU Pro Sports, but just proud of, of the growth and, and uh, the team chemistry that we were able to put together uh, towards the end or, end of that that tour, and it's tough. It's tough being with a group that is only there with each other for you know maybe two weeks, uh, and and bonding and forming that team chemistry and understanding uh, one another and and really getting to work. But um, I'm just so proud of them because you know we practice in the rain. Uh, they were tough. Uh, and by the end of that, just gritty, uh, played with passion and never gave up. And I think um, that was probably one of the most rewarding um, parts of the tour is um, to be a part of a coaching staff and, and, and lead a group of women that just simply would never gave up um, and just can't say enough about the experience and um Looking forward to uh, what we've got going on with Great Britain the next couple of years here, and hopefully uh, we can get softball back in the Olympics uh, in 2028 here in LA. Tara, I will speak on behalf of everyone that knows you and all of your friends when I say that we were very proud of you as well, because everything you just talked about starts at the top and you had to implement that. And I know it wasn't easy, uh, but you know, you, you had a really good showing in Dublin. And I think you're right. The future for, for team Great Britain is very bright and I certainly hope not to, I mean, I don't want to get into that tangent because again, you know, we've been on for about 49 minutes, but I certainly <laughs> hope that softball is in the Olympics in 2028, because if it's not, that's like the most absurd thing ever. Yeah. I think we're going to find out here in the next couple months. So everybody, um, fingers crossed and make sure that you're putting it up on social and, um, really pushing for softball to be back in the Olympics. And, I think you're seeing the strength of Europe. I think you're seeing the strength, obviously, Pan Pacific wise. You know, Australia had a good showing at the World Cup. Uh, you know, first time there was three stages for the World Cup: a Pool A, Pool B, Pool C. So you're seeing softball not only grow here uh, in the states, but all over uh, across the world. So just again, um, I agree with you, Gray. I hope softball's in the Olympics, and it, it and it should be along with baseball here in 2028 uh, in LA. Seems like a slam dunk. Just do it. I don't know. I mean, people are going to show up. It'll be great. Come on, IOC. Let's not let's not overthink this. Okay, just put it in. Simple yeah. enough. Uh, anything else you want to touch on about your your summer travels and travails? Tara? You know, I, I I like you said, Gray. Obviously, London and Dublin, but also caught a few games at PGF and we're able to speak to some college coaches out there and, and watch some of the, the next and upcoming up and coming talent uh, in not only, you know, 14 under 16 under 18 and under. So just a lot of exciting things happening in the sport of softball. Can't say enough about our growth uh, and hopefully help continue to grow that not only here on D one softball, but across the country with uh, various women's sports uh, outlets. So, um, yeah, it's been a fun summer and I can't believe we're almost heading into fall here. We're going to start fall reports, uh, at the end of September. So, uh, stay tuned for that. All your favorite teams. will we'll get the scoop uh, for you. Oh man. 
Wow. Yeah, you're right. Fall ball about to get going. I mean, pretty soon practices will start. We'll have actual rosters to look at online and then schedules and then fall reports and then Christmas. And then we come back for the start of the season, which is really, really incredible. And Terry, you kind of teased it. Uh, it's it's our pivot to what's on D1. What's on the site right now? The beautiful, wonderful website that is www.d1softball.com. Uh, so obviously covering the WPF, we had the great Janae Jefferson on uh, that, that season just finished up. But don't forget, Athletes Unlimited, uh, they're still going out there in Rosemont. And then we've got coaches in new places. Uh, so all of the coaches in new places, transfer news, uh, as soon as transfers announce where they're going, we've got the transfer tracker up on the site for all of you. So any transfer that has entered the transfer portal, it's on the site and their respective college as to where they're transferring to. Uh, and then again, merchandise, we've got great merchandise up on the site now, finally. Um, and all, uh, yeah, including the hat uh, and anything and everything else. If you've got any ideas on what other content we can bring to you. We've got great, incredible stories. Obviously, our storytellers and Rhiannon Potkey uh, and Graham Hayes uh, continue to tell the stories that uh, not only bring together one another, but our, our game. Uh, great one on Sis Bates and uh, Aaliyah Andrews as ambassador. At the Little League World Series, we didn't even get to talk about that. Uh, AU at the Little League World Series, uh, which we can talk about on our next podcast, but uh, – another incredible step in the right direction where players are allowed to see their heroes uh, right in front of their faces uh, playing on the same field. Yeah. We'll get one of our friends from yeah. AU to pop on it. I'm sure we know someone over there. <laughs> yeah. I think we do that. Maybe we get someone. Yeah. Maybe we get someone next week to come on and chat uh, yeah. about that experience. Yeah. I mean, maybe that person loves the movie Titanic. I don't know. I mean, we'll... <laughs> my heart will go on insert name here. Come on the show. Yeah. Oh, speaking of coming on the show, thank you to Janae Jefferson for hopping on with us here on the D1 Softball Podcast. Thank you to Kelly Higby, who was doing more than ever before behind the scenes, <laughs> making sure that we look and sound good. And congratulations on her nuptials as well. And thank you, everybody out there, for tuning in to this edition of the D1 Softball Podcast presented by S2 Cognition. Tara? I hope you've enjoyed your summer. Fall sports are back, and then pretty soon, spring sports will be back again soon. Yeah, thank you, Gray, and thank you, Gray, for jumping back on uh, for us to do this summer special. Uh, it's been too long, my friend, uh, and can't wait to get back into this with you. Yeah, I missed you too, pal. That's Tara mm -hmm. Henry. I'm Gray Robertson. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time on the D1 Softball Podcast.